Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back. It's your host, Ken, speaking here. Today, I'm really looking forward to talking to Lindsay West. Lindsay is involved in a number of companies and organizations, including the Northern Powerhouse, Gat West Limited, and Visor, who he co-founded. As you know, I've spoken many times about talent and the challenges of detraction and retention of talent. This is not only a big issue for companies, but also for cities and rural areas. I think it's safe to say in the UK, the big cities take the majority of the talent. So I'm talking about the Londons of the world, the Manchesters, the Edinburghs. But this leaves the peripheral areas and smaller cities with a major challenge due to negative impact on the region, including attracting companies and very little jobs to retain this talent. So today we're going to learn a bit more about Lindsay. We're going to talk about the challenges that are faced in these, in these cities, how this has been addressed or not addressed, and what the future holds. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hi, Ken. Thank you very, firstly, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's, it's a delight and I'm, you know, I feel quite honoured to be here. So, I'm, you know, thank uh, you. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time out to talk to me. It's something I'm very passionate about. I think it's a very interesting topic. And actually, this is an angle which I haven't really spoken about before. So can we just first maybe tell us a bit about you and your background before we go into the discussion on challenges? Yeah, certainly. So my background originally was I have a degree in psychology, Bachelor of Science in that, which is uh, probably lends itself you know, to an interest in different places and what's going on. Um, as far as my, my main, what I'm actually doing at the moment in terms of business, I run a, a family business, which is in packaging, as you said earlier, called Garth West. Um, I founded an initiative back in 2009 called Platform, which was about the importance of video games in education, right through to what this means to employment. And out of that, I actually have a formed a new business called uh, Visor, Visor Dynamics, and that really concentrates in the space of mixed reality and spatial computing. Ooh, very cool. So I know that from your experience that, you know, this, I suppose, actually that company has kind of led from uh, these different experiences and challenges that you've faced. So what is, I mean, what is the challenge we're facing here in these rural and peripheral areas, Lindsay? I think it's a, uh, it's a collective challenge, Ken. I mean, obviously, you know, whether we're talking about parts of England or we're talking about parts of Ireland. Um, as you said earlier, you get the cities, you get the, you, you'll get Dublin, you'll get London. They're big attractions. With the growing importance of the digital world and digital opportunity, we are finding that um, major global hubs are setting up, San Francisco, Tokyo, Tel Aviv, London, wherever it might be. And collectively, they're drawing a lot of the talent to these places. So... I believe that the same as, as in Ireland, as, as yeah. in England, as, as in many other places, we educate very highly. And I think that the problem there that we do for economies outside of those great magnets is what is on offer for young people? And let's face it, for all of the regions of our countries, the future is the retention of young people in them, the generation of the economy that they can actually bring with that. How do we actually start creating the opportunities for predominantly young people, although we have to 
being 52 myself, it doesn't always have to be. Um, how do we actually ensure that we retain as much talent there? Because it's good. I think it's actually really, really good. So to, I, I'll just be very specific about England. Obviously, that's where I'm from. So if you look at the north of England in particular, what happened last year and elections and various other things, it shows that there is a, a growing unease amongst a lot of people in lots of countries who are living outside of these major rapidly becoming global hubs where they are feeling sort of a bit disenfranchised and disengaged from actually what's going on. Now, that's a whole political thing I don't want to get into. Yeah. But I think that if we start to, to address that on a regional basis, is the biggest problem we've got is we are, edu- as I said, education is pretty strong. We're not linking education to employment. And furthermore, we're not looking at the forms of new employment that maybe younger people who've come through education would want to go into and would encourage them to stay where they are. So inevitably what happens is they tend to be drawn to where their careers and opportunities are. So it's sort of a, it's a vicious circle that we enter into, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess where I addressed it personally, this is just one thing, I know a lot of other people have done some fabulous stuff over the world, but it's looking at that route from education to employment. So what does this mean? It's, it's a whole picture. It's not a soundbite. It's not about keeping people there. It's actually trying to think about what do we do to really engage? What is the time frame for this? One, three, five, ten years. Mm. Difficult, I know, when we live in, in countries with shorter political cycles to actually yeah. get something in there to actually achieve. So, as I said, originally, I started off with video games. My local city is, is Kingston-upon-Hull in East Yorkshire. It came to my attention that the University of Hull was one of the first universities in the United Kingdom to put in computer science. It was the first to actually put modules in, in at master's level on, on uh, video games. Fantastic. And the question that a lot of us ask is, where are the video game companies? Mm. So we were building up to a certain point and then losing the talent. So I, I started, and there's lots of reasons for that, right. that, that lots of socioeconomic issues. I think if you look at video games in particular, this is the biggest visual entertainment industry on the planet. Mm. But outside of say in my country, London, Manchester, possibly, it's not taken particularly seriously. I don't know why. It's sort of thing, go and do a proper job after you've failed at video games. <laughs> you know, it's an attitude. Probably originally, that's a bit harsh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, originally yeah. people would have said anything that is, is perceived as entertainment, I guess, you know, whether it's us or our grandparents or parents or whatever, it's also, I'll have a go at that, you know, and, and then, you know, but keep a proper job in the background. But I think that these are really serious jobs. And I think the other thing as well that's really important about particularly technology, video game technology, it is, goes right across the academic spectrum. So on one side, you've got your physics and your maths for coding. On the other side, you've got all of the graphic elements. You've got story writing. You've got music. You've got everything else that goes to it. It's, it's a fabulous sort of 360 picture of, of what education can do if you pull two of the main academic strands or tiers together. And I also think as well, uh, just as, as a, as a cross-section to that, you know, video game thinkers are cause and effect people. You know, in a video game, you do something that could be 10 actions. Each one of those 10 actions spawns another 10 actions. Those 10 actions spawn another 10 actions. Before you know it, Grand Theft Auto something like, has something like 25 million outcomes across the game. I think it's a really interesting mindset for young people to learn that if you do something, there's a range of actions. And you actually then need to use your own judgment at that point for what you think would be give the most optimal outcome. And I think that as far as employment goes, if people have, have that understanding when they're thinking and making things and can think through what could happen if I do this, good or bad, because the outcomes can be a range of things, it is a good skill to have for business per se, isn't it? Oh, incredible. So, 
I started and I had a great team of people who worked with me on it, just saying, what is it about video games? So we run conferences called Platform. We got about six and a half thousand people to them. Two and a half thousand people came from local schools and colleges, predominantly in the 14 to 16 year, year age group. Awesome. From that, we put together what was called Platform Studios, which is a free-to-use workspace for young people to come together, again, predominantly young people, to form businesses. Again, I had no commercial interest in that. Yeah. And it was a, we were sort of beg, borrowing, and not stealing, but begging and borrowing <laughs> spaces to do this in. Yeah, <laughs> Didn't go quite that far, Ken, yeah, I can yeah. tell you. you know. <laughs> not sure. Um, <laughs> not, yeah, there's always time. But, you know, so on the goodwill of other people who were, you know, Hull City Council, various, uh, the University of Hull, Hull College, gave us spaces that we could actually set these places up. And, you know, if nothing else, they're a good incubation ground, good reason for people when they came out of education, just to take a hit pause for a little while and say, I've learned this, can I do something with it? And we had six companies come out of the Health Platform Initiative, about 50 people went through it, and we got to sort of a bit of a natural break. And it was at that point that one of the companies led by my co-founder advisor, a guy called Lewis Dean. He, had a, he was an Xbox, idea to Xbox developer. He had his own business, Gateway Interactive. He said, do you think we should actually now set the next level and actually create something that, that will actually do a lot of the things that we've been trying to do? So pull in the best of education, but create a business of sorts in a space yeah. that, that will be hopefully of interest to maintaining and keeping people in the region. And, and that's how Visor came out from that. And as I said, you know, the, the main thing about Visor is, I think from the start, a lot of these things can, and not that anyone is, you regularly told in life, aren't you? I'm sure you've heard it many times of your, you know, sort of career is taking you around. You regularly get told you can't do that. Mm. I do find that quite unusual sometimes. So to anyone out there who wants any advice, just ignore it if somebody says you can't do it. Unless, of course, you want to be, you know, a basketball player and you might hike five foot six, then you really <laughs> can't do it. But if there is, if there's a will and a passion to do it, and, and ours is obviously, you know, sort of looking at a geographical region and actually saying, you can create a model and say you can do it. The digital world allows us to do this in a way we've never, never been able to do things like this before. There is that opportunity for young people if they want to stay. So I believe you're from Cork. You know, I'm from Hull. If they want to stay in Cork, if they want to stay in Hull, they have that choice. And that's yeah. all this is about. You don't want people chained to Cork or chained to Hull. They can't mm-hmm. move. But a lot of them, surveys say about 40%, would probably stay more local to where their family and friends and place of birth would be if the opportunity is there. So, you know, we're, we're about 10 years into this cycle now. And, and Visor itself, you know, it, it's doing very interesting things. It's pegged very, very closely to Microsoft. We're a Microsoft mixed reality partner. We actually ran um, the world's first mixed accelerator in the cool. summer of 2018. It was interesting though, because it was at the University of Hull. We ran it over the summer. We had 24 students engaged. We had uh, major international companies that we'd actually gone out as a business and got to participate in there. And it was really exploring that space at that point, mixed reality, what does it mean? It was at the time, going back then, Ken, if you remember that there was, oh, is VR dead? Is AR the new thing? Is VR, yeah. you know? Everyone was talking about something before it had been proven one way or another. In fact, what was happening, the industry retracted, was saying, right, we've actually got interest in this now. Let's actually work out what value is it. So, but in just, a way, just to interrupt you, sorry, just sorry. for the benefit, for the benefit yeah. of our listeners, what is mixed reality? Well, I guess the, on, just on a very high-level way of looking at it, how we tend to look at anything that is, is called from immersive to 
whether you've, you've fully immersed yourself or whether you actually immerse your surroundings with other things. So we, the two main terms that we'd probably use would be virtual reality and augmented reality. Okay. Yep. But then there is, if that's a spectrum, so if that's like your ultraviolet to infrared, there's all of different elements between that, which can be a little bit of a mix of being fully immersed or partially immersed and, and then also taking it to bring other factors, which would, would include things like uh, spatial understanding. So computational understanding of the space that you're in. So that's very much where we work with um, HoloLens. So to drop back a bit on that, virtual reality, yeah. just to be clear, virtual reality in its pure and cleanest form is you are dropped. You're totally immersed in a headset that you usually can't see through. Obviously, Oculus is, is changing this a bit at the moment with the Oculus Quest, which is a marvelous bit of kit. But you drop yourself into another environment, a different surrounding. That could be anything. It could be inside a factory. It could be in a dinosaur stage. It could be on the moon. It could be wherever. But you actually remove yourself from your own actual physical world and drop yourself into a new digital space that you're fully immersed in. Augmented reality is taking it the other way around. You can see the real world around you, and then you start dropping digital assets into it. So you can be standing in a room with nothing in it and drop in a dinosaur, you could drop in a machine, you could drop in whatever you wanted to. So you add things to a space that you're in. And obviously the key thing on that one is, is that the computer itself has to spatially understand scale and, and everything like that to actually to drop something in that is called a, a digital asset. And it's where we are now, it's that sort of understanding of where the practical applications are for these things that will make what we're trying to, what we do do now better. So can this assist us in any way? This is, is this a new frontier? It's a complete different visual medium, whether it's right across the spectrum of MR, but it's more attuned to actually how, you know, from a psychology point of view, how we as human beings actually work. We see everything in three dimensions, subject to, unless you've got any impairments, but we learn, we see everything, 3D space, our brains from babies, you know, when babies reach their hands out, and all that's about is getting perspective and understanding that something isn't as close to you or something's further away from you. We learn, we adapt very, very quickly to actually the real world around us. We're hardwired to do that. So, so I guess within that space of looking at from this new visual medium that we can recreate, which is more akin to the one that we actually intuitively understand, what is the benefit to that? And obviously the benefit for that is the fact that with, com you know, with computers, with a digital world, we can add loads and loads of more we can actually take more data out of things that we can do but we can add more direct data into what we're doing information both way that's really simplistic as it can yeah. say no it is i mean because i was talking to a friend of mine actually yesterday very good friend of mine and yeah. uh, he purchased a virtual plot and he's currently building a virtual <laughs> office space um love this and uh, he'll be able to host meetings and have companies and i think we'll probably join as well our company and that we'll be able to have, we'll have a virtual bar in there, virtual area, uh, virtual meeting rooms. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very cool. Really very I cool. I do hope you, you are going to have some actual drinks to drink in the virtual bar <laughs> when you're in that place, don't you? That's a bit of a dry do, won't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That'll, that'll be the next challenge. I'm sure we'll find some solution for that. Listen, we're Irish. We'll definitely find a solution. <laughs> I, I, I'm from the north of England. We would as well, so, you know, so that, that's fine. And I'm with you on that one all the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, so getting back to you know that that's uh, that's amazing what you've done so far and what you've achieved and so i mean in the regional area so what's in terms of working and you know for the future how can we address these challenges i mean does the does the current epidemic does that help now because people are working more from home and 
are like thinking, well, oh, actually, I don't, I, don't want, I don't need to be in a big city or I don't want to be in a big city. Do you think? Uh, what do we need to address this going forward into the future? That's the $64,000 question, yeah. isn't it? I mean, at the end of this, how quickly do we actually have, how big is the desire to actually return to normal? Or how big is the will to actually say, well, can we actually learn something from this, from this experience? I, I think that there is, and then you, you combine that when we, we start to, to come back into real life again with issues like environmental concerns, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that from that point of view, I think these spaces will become ever, ever increasingly important because we can do it now. Okay, so the early, early stages of where a lot of this technology is. But the reality of it is, Ken, as you've just said, if you can actually recreate a space, people have, have got used to actually working remotely from each other. You can have fun in it. You don't need to get on a, an aeroplane to New York and have time zone clashes and all of that. You can have people doing things much more effectively and um, productively in different parts of the world without wasting days in, in traveling and yes. uh, jet lags and all of that. Apart from the environmental aspects of that, there's the human element of that of wearing people out. And I think that I think there's, there's significant interest in this now. And what does it actually mean? And I think the other thing is, if you're looking at where we sit as well for business, you know, business has to evaluate, you know, it's productivity, return investment. How do we then start to track the metrics on how well is this doing? So if a business needs to invest or wants to look at this space and may need a million, three million euros, or whatever it might be to do something, how do they then start to actually put that into their, their business modeling themselves and make sure that it is worthwhile to do it this way? Now, I, I think personally that, that it absolutely is. You can see massive productivity uplift. I think going back to you know, the younger age of the age scale, I think there's a huge technology expectation from young people now when they enter the workforce. So one of the things I'm really, really fascinated by is, you know, the industry 4.0 concept, which is, you know, personally, my main business is in manufacturing. Manufacturing is just so fantastically brilliant and exciting and creates so much innovation and opportunity around it. But how do we, with, with particularly in the West with a, you know, with, with a higher, higher wage levels, how do we actually increase our productivity through these digital mediums? And I think that's where we're going to see a lot of interest coming as we go forward. You know, if you're in Ireland or I'm in England and we want to buy Irish-made goods or English-made goods, you're going to pay more for it yeah. because we, we have a more expensive cost base. The more we can do to manage that and enable businesses still to be profitable, the better. And I think that this is some of the areas that, that we're going to see a lot of businesses, bigger ones at the moment, because it's still, you know, that there are costs involved at the beginning of any new adoption of technology. But as it spreads out, I think that those benefits will become a lot greater to us and with that will come the opportunities not just to work in businesses but also for entrepreneurs to set up in cork and say i'm, I'm going to do concentrate on 3d assets for you know waterford crystal to make different shapes so they can actually sell it globally or whatever it might be yeah yeah but i think also i mean we need a combination of factors here to help in this i mean one i think we need local government and government investment I know in Ireland, we've been quite lucky that we have Enterprise Ireland, we have the IDA Industrial Authority. They've been fantastic to promote companies yeah. into the region and in local regions, we give tax incentives to these companies to hire uh, local people, which I think is a great benefit. And then you need, uh, I think also education being key. Like you mentioned, Hull University there, the courses yeah. that they're doing to attract. And I love the idea of video games. Video games have been researching that recently. Uh, because there's okay. a massive market at the moment in video games that are you know, one of the few industries that are crying out for talent. Massive shortage of developers, designers, everything. 
in the video gaming space is just incredible. There's a huge demand and it's only getting bigger and bigger. And I love that idea of becoming a hub because when I look at Cork, my home bed, they've got a hub for security. It's a really big space now for cybersecurity down there. We've got Apple there also. Um, and yep. it's, it's building and you know, you attract more companies all around that space. I think it's a great initiative. I don't know what's, is there much happening in terms of your area and these kind of, these kind of initiatives? Well, well, I guess, yeah, yeah. You know, like many parts, I mean, I guess being very subjective, what we're trying to do is set up, you know, across our country, this being the national hub for the technologies that we're in. Very ambitious, I know. Hopefully not foolhardy, but just ambitious, but that's what we want to do. And, I, and the thing about that is, and I always think, I always look at, you know, sort of Finland, if you talk about video games again, Finland and Rovio or Sweden and Unity. Rovio, as you know, is Angry Bird, Unity, yeah. virtually 80% of games in the world are made, made actually on their, their software. And, but what they do is they spawn support businesses around it. Mm, I mean, exactly. Finland now, its, out, it's output of, of successful games per capita is huge. It's just, you know, it has a relatively small population. Yeah. But once you actually get, you know, once you get a winner, so whether you bring a winner in, like you said, to bring Apple into to Cork, or you actually build one in an actual area itself, it gives that, sends that message out to people who live there who mm. probably wouldn't expect it to be on their doorstep. But why, sh- you know, why shouldn't it be on your doorstep? Yeah. Right? Why shouldn't you go and work for Apple just because you're from Hull or just because you're from Cork or whatever it might be? Of course you can, because everyone's just from somewhere at the end of the day, yes. aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that if, I think that that's the way to do it. I mean, I, you know, as we spoke before, I think that I'm really impressed. But I think the Irish solutions sound fantastic, you know, and, and, uh, and certainly look like they're working. So, but yeah, you're right. This, this is, is a, you know, in the United Kingdom at the moment, particularly in the North of England, we've got the leveling up program. But you've, you've got to, to bring all the factors into play, haven't you? You've got to say, I think one of the things where, you know, often place what happens is, is that, you know, someone not from an area will deem that this area will do that. I think you sometimes risk, risk losing what could be there already and could be enhanced. Yeah. Yeah. So, and by what, to define what I mean by that is, you know, the North of England is big on manufacturing, you know, the South of England, big on finance and services. So we need to look at manufacturing. If COVID has taught us anything, it is God, we need to start making stuff again, because actually we can't be dependent on countries that might be in lockdown, China or whoever, who can't get stuff to us like PPE. So let's learn to make stuff again. We have a big culture and history of it in the north of England of actually making stuff. How do we do that again? But then how do we actually bring that into, into 2020 by Industry 4.0 and actually say, what does this really mean? How can we actually combine the physical and the digital and make something far better? So it shouldn't be one or the other. It can be one or the other. But if you already have that really strong sector like manufacturing like energy i mean i'm you know from home renewable energy is the big one that we've got here i think that you can combine what is seen as traditional manufacturing or traditional making things or traditional process but bring it right up to date with industry 4.0 and i think that's really interesting that's really fascinating because that means that culturally you're not throwing out you know what people have had within their families for generations or what things do you're taking a lot of those skill sets and you're working with them to, you know, to bring life back to a lot of things, you know. I think that's really important. I think anchors people a bit as well. Absolutely. And, and uh, I think it's fantastic what you achieved so far, Lindsay, to be honest. It's great that initiative advisor and the company and how it's building now in that region. And for, I mean, and state-of-the-art new technology, which is awesome. Thank you. So what's the future hold, I mean, for you? And what are, what's the plan ahead? What's, what's the vision? Where, where would you like to get to? I mean, 
my, my ultimate vision would be, God, one thing I've, I've known through life, I've learned the hard way through, through guilt, from doing it myself and from listening to others is, you know, talk is really bloody cheap, Ken. Mm. You know, actually doing something, changing things is actually really difficult. I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm putting myself on any, I've, you know, I've, I've learned the hard way. It would be lovely if there was just a magic wand we could bring up and change how, how things are. The reality of life is it takes time, it takes perseverance, it takes a joined up approach to it, like you said earlier, it takes education, it takes government, regional, national, and it takes business, and it takes the community to get involved in this and start understanding. So that has to be done, you know, at a measured approach and step by step. For instance, from our point of view, there's no point creating a tech business that nobody in this part of the country is remotely interested in. But if we build a tech business that we've already proven through the platform initiative that not that it was a huge surprise, but video games have massive interest with young people and it, it encourages them to go into, you know, into coding, then that's a good thing. There is a hunger there. There's an appetite. And, you know, if, if we are creating a, a digital twinned world with loads of assets and lots of data that's coming in, a lot of that video game thought goes, is in the same pipeline of understanding. And that's, I guess, where I'd like it to go is, is just have people from my city I don't want to be parochial. We work a lot with London. I love London. But actually, from, from the point of view of looking at, at health, you know, if we start to get people saying, I can do it here, why can't I do it here? Let me speak to a business. Let's get a bit of a collective voice behind speaking to people who shape, you know, sorts of regional agendas in terms of the flow of finance or support that, that governments can give. Let's give them a reason to give us money because we've got a strategy for that. We have laps and things that do a brilliant job. But think it through first and then actually have something. If you're going to ask for something off someone, you've got to give them a reason, haven't you, Ken, to give you something. And the more you can think that through, and if you can underpin it through with, you know, a a thought through strategy, a a raison d'etre, a, you know, we can do this, we've got that, but we can twin it with this, we can put it together. We've got a great university, we've got great colleges across this region. They're all doing, they're all working in similar spaces, but if we can focus it into, CAD design, understanding mixed reality, understanding that if the world, we're going to digitally overlay the world and get a lot of benefit out of it to understand how to do that and then actually make that relevant to people, um, that's where I'd like us to be. That will create massive, massive opportunity. You know, I think the PwC report that came up uh, before Christmas, seeing is believing, and in various sectors, they, they saw global GDP in, in the uh, immersive technology space between now and 2030. Um, going up to 1.5 trillion wow. if we get it right. But, you know, this is, yeah. And obviously that's under different verticals. That's under training. That's under process. That's under entertainment. Obviously entertainment is a big, big driver of this, you know, as you know. So that's sort of what I want to do. If we can actually just make a difference and make people think that there is that chance. You know, at the bottom of Pandora's box, there's one thing left, hope. Just give people the hope that they can actually do something where they come from if they want to. And I think that it's our responsibility as societies to try and facilitate that in whatever, whatever way we can. Awesome. Yeah, amazing. And completely absolutely amazing. If people want to get in touch with you or learn more about you and the company, what's the best way to contact you, uh, Lindsay? I guess the best way that's more generally open is, is how we connect to Ken, the marvellous platform that is LinkedIn. Yeah. If you want to have a look at and uh, Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Bit of Scottish spelling there, by the way. And it's a girl's name, and I'm a boy. But I am. I, I have. I have good. I have good Scottish heritage. So that's Classic. how it's spelled that way. Yeah. Uh, so oh, and the awesome. com- the company is Visor. V-I-S-R. Yeah. 
Fantastic, uh, Lindsay. Listen, thank you for coming on the show. Much appreciated for your time. And I look forward to speaking again in the future and see how it's all evolving. Cheers, Ken. The pleasure's been all mine.